listening to an audio sermon from Harvest Bible Chapel, Kelowna. For more information about our church, please visit harvestkelowna.ca. So we're in this series together here, The Life of a Christ Follower. We're coming to the end of it, and uh, we're the life of a, the, of a Christ follower, the 5G life. What does it mean to say, I follow Christ? And we have, got, as we've gone through this series, we see that three important relationships describe a true follower of Christ. And that first relationship is abide. That first key word is abide, about a growing and a deepening relationship with Jesus Christ. That's where it starts. That's where it all begins in a relationship with Jesus Christ. It is impossible to be a Christian, to be a follower of Christ without abiding in him, without trusting him as our Lord and Savior, without continuing on in a, a relationship. It's not pray a prayer, say it and forget it. It is, it, it is an abiding relationship where we are connected um, to God um, in a personal growing relationship. The second key word is connect. And God has designed his church as a body. And, and we are members of that body. We've been placed together. And so in order to follow Christ, I must be engaged in his family, be a part of the body of Christ. And the third key word is share. That a true follower of Christ, we cannot hoard our faith. We are to share our faith. We are compelled to share the gospel, to, to get the, the word of, of Christ out to others, to share in the mission that Jesus Christ has called us to be a part of. And these three relationships, as we We've been, been spending time week after week and all of this information and all these messages are found on our website and, and just encourage you, if you haven't listened to them, to have a listen to it as, as it all pieces together in, in, in a very beautiful way. And, and these three relationships, if you're going to have any kind of a quality relationship, you need to spend time with that person. You need to spend time in that relationship. And so we've kind of carved out here the 5G life that, that in order to grow in these three relationships, there are five five commitments that we need to be making. And this isn't a harvest thing. This isn't a, a made-up thing from, uh, from harvest churches or anything like that. This is from the Word of God. This is what we see from God's Word. And, and primarily, the, the most important is the daily feeding of, of, in God's Word. And, and we see that in God time. And uh, the strengthening and nourishment that comes from the Word of God and, and, and our time in the Word and in prayer and, and out of the overflow of that time of abiding in Christ and spending that time in the word and, 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 and in prayer, we are empowered for the day. That's where we find our fuel. That's where we find our strength as we're refreshed in the word of God. And from that, we can refresh others. We can, can be salt and light in the world. And, and, and then in the other commitment, the second commitment is gather, a love for, for God's family and gathered worship weekly. It's making the commitment to, to be gathered together weekly with the body of Christ. Last Sunday, uh, being at Harvest East Valley was such an encouragement. And it was tempting. The thought did cross our mind, well, at least my mind for sure. Maybe we should, should skip this one out. You know, it was a long travel day. We didn't get in till, till late in, into the night. And then the hour time change and all of that. Got a shorter night's sleep. And, and, that, and, and yet, um, we went to church and, and it was such a blessing. And, and it was so good to be there. And it's making a commitment to, to, to uh, be gathered together weekly with the body of Christ. And, and that's important. Another commitment that we see from God's word is group time, and this is what Keith um, covered last week, and, and a commitment to consistent growth and accountability within a community of believers. 
And, and this is where our relationships with other believers go from the casual, shallow kind of conversations that we may have with one another about the weather, about work, about sports, to a deepening heart relationships with one another, helping one another discover Christ in the midst of the hardships and the hurts and in parenting and marriage and health issues and, and, and celebrating together the victories. It's doing life together. And, and that is what true Christian fellowship, that is what group time is all about. And then finally, the last two are, are, are give time and go time. And, and, and this week, we're, we're going to plow through the give time. And so uh, have your Bibles ready to 1 Peter chapter 4. We're going to look at that in a moment, but we're going to look at, at uh, some other passages as well. Uh, the give time, honestly, I'll, I'll put the cards down on the table. This is deals with our time, with our treasures, and with our talents. And you go, oh, Great. Here it goes, Recruitment Sunday, get us to sign up to serve, you know, or this is going to be a plea for money. This always seems to, you know, to come along in the life of the church. And can I say one word to that? Wrong. That's not what this is ultimately about at all. There, there's a part of that about giving of our time, of our talents, of our treasures, but that's not ultimately what we're looking at here when it talks about give time. This is where we come to the solid realization, folks, and we have to pay attention that uh, this is from the Word of God, and we have to understand that I am not at the center of the universe. And we have to keep reminding ourselves of that because we're going to always want to keep putting ourselves on the throne of the universe, the throne of our own kingdom, and, and make our life and make our serving and make whatever we do all about me. And so today as we look at God's word, as we examine his word together today, we must ask um, ourselves even the question, what's driving my life? What is driving my agenda? We have to ask these questions. Is my life really about more now and me? So oftentimes our lives are that, more, now, me, or in reverse order, me, now, more, you know, and, 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 and you can just change that around. Books have been written and sold by the millions, even at times by Christian authors on how you can achieve more, now, me, now, in, in this lifetime. And yet, as the true follower of Christ, it is about losing our own agenda. It is about dying to our agenda, dying to ourselves, and taking up the agenda that God would have for us. It's gaining Christ's agenda for our lives. And so today we're going to look at, at one passage in particular here in 1 Peter 4, but just so you know, this isn't just a one-off, just like, oh, that's just that one passage in, in 1 Peter from First Peter 4. From now on, I'll just ignore that passage and, and kind of skip over that and we'll get on to some other good stuff, you know, and, and, and the stuff that I like, you know, the sound that oh, makes my ears tickle. You know, um, no, we, we got to look at, but, but this isn't just a one-off. Here's some other passages and, and just to help you and assist you and, and just to, you know what, show to you that we're not making this up. This is in the word of God. Here are some passages that specifically talk about us being givers, of, about gift time and, and, uh, and just the, the examples that we see and, and the challenges that we have here um, in God's word. John chapter 13, verses 12 to 15. When he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, do you understand what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do as I have done to you. This is Jesus humbling himself, taking the form of a servant, washing his disciples' dirty, stinking feet, 
because no one else would do it. And he says, you do the same. You serve one another. You give one give yourself to one another in this kind of a way. Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 and 14. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, put it on Facebook. Oh, no. Uh, if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all, these put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Here we're giving of ourselves. We're giving of forgiveness. We're giving of love to one another. Romans 12, verses 9 to 13. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Hold, love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Here's another one. Galatians chapter 6, verses 9 to 10. I hope that you're writing down these references. If not, you can also find this online uh, partways through this week. It will be posted on our website. But Colossians chapter 6, verses 9 to 10. And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. So we are to give ourselves, do good towards one another. And he says, especially to the body of Christ. Give time is now time. And that's what we're going to see here in the word of God. And so now I'd like for you to look in the text. We're not going to put these words up on the screen because I'd love for you as we, we work through this passage to, to interact with this. You may want to underline certain words, different things that we talk about or certain things that, that, that uh, the Holy Spirit is even laying on your heart as we are going through this passage. So 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 7 to 11. The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. In these passages and in our text here this morning and, 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 and that, that boatload of passages that, that, that we, we just read a few moments ago and here in, in 1 Peter chapter 4, we see some very strong imperatives, some things that we simply cannot ignore as followers of Christ. And you might say, but, and, and, and I encourage you to be looking at your own heart honestly and saying, okay, how am I doing in this? If we're not doing that, if we're just hearing this message and then we just walk out of here, it does absolutely no good. We have to look at our own hearts and we need to respond. If there's areas we need to repent and make right, uh, we need to do that at the end here or even partways through the messages. The Holy Spirit convicts you of this and, and we need to look and say, how am I doing in this area? How's my heart in this? And, and some of you might be sitting here saying, Melden, I'm already doing a lot. I'm giving of myself 
an awful lot. Maybe you should light a fire under some other people. You know, that'd be a great thing. And, and if you're doing a lot, great, wonderful, thank you. And many of you are. But this passage also challenges our own hearts and our motivations as to why we're doing what we're doing. We're not doing it for spiritual check marks. We're not doing it to get noticed. We're not doing it so we can float our own boat. That's not the motivation why of give time. It's so much more than that. You see, part of the thing is, is that our motivations can sometimes, we can do the right thing, but with the wrong heart. And the right thing becomes the wrong thing then. Right actions we can have, but sometimes the wrong motives. And, and I trust that God would expose that in our hearts. Uh, I know this passage has been, been working me over this past week. Are we seeking our glory? Or are we seeking God's glory? Those are questions we need to be asking ourselves. And then we take the necessary steps of repentance and then steps of obedience and steps of faith here today. And so, first of all, here's our statement today. Give time a resolve to steward the gifts God has entrusted to me. I encourage you to write that down. This is what give time is about. A resolve, making a commitment to steward the gifts God has entrusted to me. And, um, and so, this morning... I want to talk about full shovel giving. And, and that's a term that gets used around our house. Even yesterday when our son, it was his, his job to, to vacuum the house. And, and uh, his mother said to him, and Nate, make sure you give a full shovel. And I think somewhere along the day, I'm like, come on, buddy, give a full shovel. And, and some of you might say, what is a full shovel about? Well, if you come into my office and you'll see, usually what's hanging up on the wall of my office is this nice half shovel. And there's a story behind this, but basically, it is a reminder to me as I walk in that if you give half a shovel, you can expect half a shovel results. You're not going to get the job done, and it's a frustrating thing when you just try to use half a shovel. The shovel has no strength, no support, it buckles, and you're only getting half the job done. And so, one of the cries in, in my own heart, oh God, may I give a full shovel for your honor and your glory. And we want to talk today about full shovel giving. Half shovel giving is half shovel giving. We want to, we're setting the bar. Full shovel giving. This is what we want to do in our lives and, and to see this become just a part of our everyday practice. And we're going to mess up. We're going to at times struggle in this. And, and we come back toward, um, to our Father in repentance and, and, and we, we ask him to, to empower us and strengthen us anew and afresh. And he'll do that because that is who he is. He loves us that much. And so, so we even see that example when Christ came to this earth. He didn't come and just give half an effort. He he didn't give half a shovel. He went all the way. It was full shovel giving. It was a full shovel death that he, he, he uh, endured for you and for me. He gave himself all the way to the point of death, even death on the cross. He was all in. And so for the follower of Christ, we are compelled by the love of Christ to sacrifice and to be all in. And I trust that our full shovel giving would be lived out here today. And so full shovel giving understands that give time is now time. Look at verse 7. First part of it says, the end of all things is at hand. Now, Peter was writing uh, this letter to uh, Christians who were scattered throughout various provinces in the Roman Empire. This was about 30 years after Christ had ascended, 30 years after Pentecost, about 30 years after the church had started. And the emperor, emperor Nero was rounding up Christians, making life very difficult, having them rounded up, put into prison, and, and uh, for many of them, put to death. And so here, Peter is saying, this isn't time 
to give up. This isn't time you give half a shovel. This is time you press in. And, and he's encouraging them through the suffering, through their trials and their persecution to, 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 to per- persevere and, and to give themselves entirely to God and to one another. And so he's saying here, the end of all things is at hand. This is a statement of urgency. Time is running short. The days are evil. We await the return of Christ, and that could be at any time. And we have to be ready, and we also need to be busy doing the work that that we are called to do, as we will even see simply in this passage. And yet, Peter is saying, yes, the the end of all things is near. Circle the wagons. He's not saying that. Run for cover. Focus your attention and your treasure and your talents on yourself. Just kind of, you know what, just just worry about, you know what, that, that unholy trinity, me, myself, and I. No, he's saying... Yes, life is short. He's talking about the brevity of life here. But he said, come on, no time to waste. Let's get moving here. And so we see give time is now time. And it is time even now for every follower of Christ to serve one another. And this is what we will will see here through this passage. We are to, to serve one another with what has been entrusted to each one of us. Oftentimes we think, oh, give time. Um, oh, well, well I'll, I'll, I'll give of myself in a greater way. I'll give of myself to, to, to the Lord's work and, and I will give of my time and my treasure of, and, and talents when I'm in a better place. I'm too busy. I'm too tired. I'm too, too stretched right now. I've, I've got too much on the go. I've got bills to pay. I, I, I got to do all of this. But folks, you have to understand this is priority. This is the important work. This is what we are called to as believers in Christ. And that is so different than the teaching that we receive from the world. The world says, circle the wagons, take care of yourself, you know, do a little bit. It'll make you feel good. Go and, go, go and give a little bit to charity or go and, you know, fill some boxes or do this kind of thing and, and it will, will make you feel good. And, Again, that, that's not the right motivation as to why we do that. This is priority that we give of ourselves to one another. Look at the next part of, of chapter 7 or verse 7. It says, therefore, be, be self-controlled, sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Now, now what is the opposite of being self-controlled and sober, sober-minded? It's being out of control, doesn't it? That's what it means. It means you're under the influence of... Of something. You can't think straight. You can't function properly. Some of you who have maybe experienced uh, that from alcohol or from, from, from drugs or, or whatever it might be, uh, you can certainly probably relate to that, that, that you're out of control. You're under the influence of, of another substance, of something, and, and it affects everything in your life. It, you can't function properly. You can't think straight. It was interesting a few weeks ago when our son was snowboarding and he had a nice little wipeout and, and uh, fractured his arm. They had to put him under in order. Uh, they didn't put him out, um, not like permanently. Um, he's still pretty young. So, you know, that's all good. Uh, but but they, they put him under so they could, could you know, kind of snap things and, and, and move things into place and put a cast on. And, and uh, afterwards, it took like seven minutes. I just barely got a coffee. And, and I was back and they're like come on in come on in and he's he's coming too and I'm telling you it was it was an enjoyable moment for a father to watch his son come out of this and of course I was filming the whole time um, as as he was you know he, he was very very loosey-goosey he was very much under the influence I guess you could say and and at one point he's kind of going around and, and he's like I just want to go home home 
home, home on the range. And he starts singing the whole song of home on the range. Uh, yes, I do have it on video, so I can be bribed. Um, but he would get a cut of that if you want to see it. You know, and, uh, you know, and, and, and it was very clear that, that he was not in his right mind. And uh, he was under the influence. And, and this passage here, when it says, be self-controlled, be sober-minded, means literally, it means be in your right mind. And you see, folks, we have to understand there is a, a work in this present age that, that tends to put us out of our right mind and to not think soberly and not to think with self-control. It's very much whatever it feels good, do it. Whatever you want to do, do it. You want to pursue it? Those are your dreams. Go for it. You know, and, and so we can be bouncing and flopping around from one thing to another. Uh, one thing um, drives another thing, and, and, and we want this, and, and, and we, we slowly drift. And we fall under the control of these things. And, and these are things we see in media, in, in our culture, in Hollywood, in social media, in the entertainment industry. And, and, and even false teachers give us a, a false understanding of, of what reality and about being self-controlled and, and to be sober-minded. And, and we can get pulled in so many different directions, so many things that are competing for our time, for our treasures, for our talents, for our affections. And it becomes about our goals, our, our dreams, our portfolio, always comparing, analyzing, thinking, how's my house? How's my car? How's my body? How's my retirement? How's my reputation? How's my, my status? How, how are my followers? How many likes did I get? And, and we fill ourselves with, with the latest toys or the latest gadgets, trips, thrills, spills. None of it, none of it will truly satisfy. It will be an empty, empty, empty well, and we'll keep digging and we'll keep going, and we won't get there. We won't find what we're really, truly, our hearts are searching for. And this world has a way of squeezing us into its mold and we become, uh, we're not self-controlled, we are not sober-minded. And if we're going to escape the, the drunkening effects of the world, we must be diligent in this matter. But notice what it says, for the sake of your prayers. We must be fueled. This must be fueled by prayer. And so we see the second of all, give time must be fueled by God time. This is, this is our centering point every day. For the sake of our prayers, be self-controlled and sober-minded. And our first action, our first priority is that God time that we've been talking about. Time in the word of God, time in prayer. Prayer does not prepare us for the greater works. Ian e. Bounds said this statement. Prayer does not prepare us for the greater work. It is the greater work. And we must get our eyes on Jesus Christ and put our dependency upon him. And as we're in his word and as, it, uh, as we allow his words to become our words and his thoughts to become our thoughts and his plans to be our plans, he realigns our hearts. And then we see that we can, can have that self-controlled and, and, and we can be sober-minded as we are people who are in God time on a daily basis. 2 Timothy 1 verse 7 says, the Holy Spirit gives us, Holy Spirit gives us, power and love and a sound mind. And so full shovel giving is give time is now the urgency. Let's get on it. Let's go. And second of all, give time must be fueled by our God time. And then, um, and, and folks, if we're not spending time with the Lord daily, we're running our own power. We're running our own strength. We're, we're running on, on fumes. 
and we're going to get weary, we're going to get tired, we're going to want to quit. Verse, in verse 11, a little later on, it says, serve in the strength that God supplies. In our power, our strength, we'll, we'll burn out. We'll get weary. We'll become bitter. We'll become critical. And the strength comes through God time daily in our lives, filled daily with his life being poured into us and then we are able to go and live his life in our lives. And so we need to be fueled by God time. And thirdly, we see give time is love time, making room for others. Full shovel giving is about making time for others. It is about loving others. Look what it says, above all. Remember the greatest of these is love. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly. Since love covers a multitude of sins, show hospitality to one another without grumbling. Above all, love. Above all, earnestly love. That word earnestly means constant, intense, burning, pressing through. That word is also used to describe, that word earnestly is used to describe a horse that is in full stretch out gallop. Ever see a horse that uh, ju just, you see the muscles and you just see them just give it, like when they're, they're racing down the track or, or they're in a field and you, you see video, you see pictures of that and, and, and there's such power and there's such strength and as, as it, that horse is just fully extending itself and in the same way we are to earnestly in that kind of way. It, it's like the runner who is running the race hard, running to win and stretching, stretching every little, little millimeter of, of, of extra length on each stride as, as they're desiring to, to win the prize. And so we see here that, that uh, we love earnestly. Love covers, it goes on to say, a multitude of sins. This doesn't mean endorsing evil and, and a sinful life and behavior. It's not about sweeping sin under the carpet, not at all. But it's about lovingly and biblically confronting or warning or giving exhortation to someone who is in sin. And then once that has been given, and once there has been a reconciliation, or even if there isn't, it is to be covered with love. If that person still doesn't respond, you are still to pursue love. We are to, to love one another, not, not be bitter, not to be critical, not to gossip. It's done. It's covered by love. Even when the response isn't favorable towards us, we are to earnestly love one another. Earnest love covers this kind of activity, but it also covers us in the area and, and speaks to us about areas where we could easily grumble and complain and criticize or gossip. Earnest love covers that over. It, 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 it's, it's choosing to, to not complain, to not criticize and, and grumble. Again, confronting where confrontation needs to happen, but it's covered in love. Give time is always, it, it, it's, it's about love time. It's, it's about making room for others. Look at verse 9. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. Notice that the without grumbling part is the whole hospitality thing. Because oftentimes, how often can we grumble when, it, when, when, when we even hear about it? Oh, great. This is inviting other people into our homes, into our lives. Setting a goal, perhaps, of maybe once, once a month, twice a month, whatever it might be, to have someone in your home. It's biblical. This is what we're called, called to do, and to do it without grumbling. 
but to do it as unto the Lord. Remember hearing the illustration of, of a uh, pastor who was invited over to uh, some people's place from, from his church that he pastored. And so the pastor and his wife went over and, and uh, th they come to the door and they visit a little bit in, in the living room and then it's time to eat and so they sit down at the table and, and uh, of course, as oftentimes happens, um, the, the uh, couple says, hey, would, um, pastor, would you say the grace, please? Would you say the blessing? It's kind of like at times we think they're the only ones who can pray wrong. Um, and, and so this pastor, he, he, he said, you know, he says, I'm often asked to pray, and I love when children pray. So, they turned, so he turned to their son and said, would you want to give the blessing? And this look of fear, as he looked at the pastor, and he looked at his mother, and, and, uh, and she said, uh, don't worry, honey, you can pray. Just, he's like, what do I pray? And, and she said, uh, well, just pray what I pray. He's like, okay. Folds his hands, and he says, Lord, why did I have all these people over today? Amen. You know, and, and so this kind of speaks to the whole grumbling, you know, show hospitality without, without grumbling. It's like she got exposed, she, uh, you know, in that way. And, and uh, hospitality is inviting others into our friendship circles. It's about inviting others into our life, whether it's going for a coffee, having them over for a coffee or for a meal, or putting up someone for, for lodging for the night. This, this happens this hospitality starts in the lobby, before the service, after the service, and for some of you, during the service. And, and uh, it's extending yourself and, and getting to know one another, and it's not hard. And some of you say, but I'm a shy person. And yet this is something that we are to earnestly do. We are to get after this and, and, and get to know one another. And, and just the blessing that, that you can be through your words and the blessing that oftentimes as you're leaving that conversation, say, that was so good. Like, praise the Lord, was, was able to, to practice what God's word called me to do. And, and, and so we are to practice hospitality without grumbling. And then fourth we see here, give time is serve time. Verses 10 and 11, it says, As each one has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God. Whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies. See, in this room today it is filled with all kinds of experiences and, and gifts and abilities and talents and, and we are to use them. And I'm speaking this to my father-in-law who's here today visiting from Saskatoon because he's here for a while and, and there's some things that need to get fixed that I don't know how to fix. And so, so God has given him certain abilities to fix certain things that, that I trust that, that he will do uh, this week. And, and, and in this room, we're filled with all kinds of abilities and gifts, right? And, and it's, it's not just for ourselves, it's for the body of Christ, it's for one another. This, I mean, just the, the varied experiences and abilities that are here represented in this room here this morning. And we're not to take our time, our treasure, our talents. We're not to take our giftings and, and bury them like the servant did in Matthew chapter 25. He took what was entrusted to him and he buried it. And the master demanded of him an account for what he did. He was called a wicked and a lazy servant. Because he, he buried his talent. We don't hoard what God has given to us. We are to give what God has given. We are to serve one another. We are to use our talents and our, our abilities for and with and towards one another. 
But you see, God's word also teaches that when we come to faith in Jesus, when we come to faith in, in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit deposits a specific spiritual gift or gifts, as some would say, but at least one gift that you have been given upon conversion, a gift that is to be used for the body of Christ. Do you know what your spiritual gift is? I trust that you do. You say, well, how do I find that out? You see, every true believer in Christ gets at least one spiritual gift. Now, it might be in seed form. It's not going to be, well, I think I have the gift of preaching, and, you're going to, and, and you, you give your heart over to Christ, and all of a sudden you become this incredible preacher that is soon on the airwaves and podcasted by millions. No. It's not what it's about. It may be in seed form and it needs to grow. Oftentimes it is in seed form and, and by faith and obedience, God grows that spiritual gift in our life as it's developed according to, to uh, his plan and his desire and our willingness and our obedience. And so if you don't know what your spiritual gift is, I encourage you to find it. You say, well, how do I find it? Well, here's some things that if you attend Harvest Essentials uh, coming up very soon in, in March on a Saturday morning. Um, here are some ways that, that you can, can, can find out perhaps what your spiritual gift, gift is. This isn't the be-all, end-all, but, but one of these or a combination of these will certainly be helpful and encourage you to write this down. And um, you also get this at Harvest Essentials in, uh, on March 11th. And, and so something um, here, uh, first of all, number one, examine the Word of God. Take a look at what God's word outlines as, as the varied spiritual gifts. And we see a listing of, of the various gifts in 1 Corinthians 12, Romans, Romans 12, and Ephesians 4. And, 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 and we see a variety, and, and these gifts will be used in a different way. If it's a gift of teaching, some will have a gift of, of teaching children, where others will have a gift of teaching young people or, or um, standing before a group of people and teaching, or some are better around a small table environment in a small group, various teaching giftings and abilities in that way. And so we see a variance of these gifts, but, but, um, but all in all, here's, here's a biblical listing. Again, uh, there's, there's room for expansion on some of these as well because one gift can kind of lead in, into other areas. And, and yet, but we see this list of spiritual gifts here in the Word of God. Second way is listen for the affirmation from maturing believers. God will use mature believers in your life to direct, direct you in areas of where they are seeing giftedness, where they're able to recognize certain areas of spiritual fruit and growth and talent and ability that God has given you and, and can help identify those spiritual gifts. I'm so thankful over the years for the counsel, for the advice, the direction that I've received from, from various people in my life, so overwhelmed by it. Remember one time um, my youth pastor coming to me and saying, Melden, I, I really believe that you have a gifting in this certain area. I never saw it in, in a million years. Never would have been able to see that this area of gifting. And it was in the area of leadership. It was the area of preaching. And, and uh, I'm like, really? Really? And, and he says, you need to grow that gift. You need to grow what God has given you. And we need that kind of affirmation. And over the years, there have been many who have affirmed and, and, and uh, just encouraged um, the spiritual gifts and, and various, various talents and abilities that God has given to me. Another one is take a spiritual gift inventory. There's some on our website that you can go do. But again, this is just, I mean, spiritual gift 
It's a guide. It's not the be-all, end-all, because we have the Holy Spirit. We don't have to turn to, to uh, uh, you know, at a, uh, answer 170 questions, and this will determine what your spiritual gift is. No, it, it just kind, kind of can be a useful guide for you. But um, fourthly, another one, does the use of this gift bring joy while you serve? Not saying that it's going to be easy. It's not going to be like it's just going to be, you know, just clear sailing and wonderful and glory all the way. No, serving rarely, the Lord rarely is easy. There's a lot of stretching. There's a lot of grunt work. There's a lot of tears. There's, there's a lot of effort. But, but when we're in the midst of it, we also know this is my fit. This is what God has designed me. This is how he's designed me. And this is what he's made me for. And then fourthly, get out and try something. So oftentimes... We don't discover those gifts until we're faithful in serving in the little areas. And oftentimes, our faith and, and, and these giftings start to grow as we're faithful in, in just little areas. For, for example, you take King David, mighty king, man after God's own heart. Where did it start? Taking care of his father's sheep. Out on the backside of the pasture. Well, they're going off to war, and he's being overlooked, and, 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 and here's King David. He becomes a king in the end. And, and, how did it begin? Taking care of his father's sheep. And then his father comes to him and says, Son, you need to take some cheese to the commanders of the army. And you need to go take some bread to your brothers. He was just faithful. Bring in the cheese. Bring in the bread. In the little areas. And then he encountered Goliath. And God's spirit went to work in his heart. And we see a leader. We see a man of God. And even right now, just even as you're here, um, as the ushers are, are handing down, um, just some opportunities for you to get out and try something. This is kind of just, just a sheet. This is also available online, but sometimes we take to, oh, yeah, I'll get to it, and you never get to it. You know, it's one of those kind of things. And this is a way, hey, you can sign up to serve or just find out some information about these areas. Pam with Harvest Kids has applications for Harvest Kids workers. There's some things that need to be done for that. That's at the info table at the end of the service. You can help yourself to that. But try something. Some of you, you know what, maybe there's an area you're serving already, but just like, you know what, I think this is an area that, that, that I might be able to serve in and, and be able to, to give glory to God in. And so encourage you to... To look through that and, and to just pass that um, on the usher's table on the way out or in one of the boxes or at the info desk, just, just get it turned in. I encourage you to do that. Get out and try something and, and you see what, what God can end up doing in that. And notice it says that we are stewards. We are stewards. We're managers. These aren't ours for our own liking. It's not our gifting and our abilities. It's as good stewards of God's varied grace. It is all God. It is him who has gifted us. It's him who empowers us. And as stewards and managers, one day we will give an account to the master for what and how we used our time, our treasure, and our talents. And I'll just say this about our treasures when it comes to our, to our finances. How you spend or hoard or give your money determines a lot about your heart towards God, an indicator of, of where your heart is at. Jesus said, where your treasure is, there is your heart. Are we generous when it comes to, to giving of our resources or do we give God the leftovers? Do we give him the first and the best or do we give him the, the worst and the last? Whatever's kind of left over at the end of the month. What do we do in that area? Are you a generous giver? Not just the leftovers. Not what I can afford, but what am I to give in sacrifice by faith? And then finally, give time is all about glory to God. 
It says, whoever serves is one who serves by the strength that God supplies in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Give time is for God's glory, not our glory. And we have to keep taking ourselves off of the throne. And we need to keep putting King Jesus back on the throne. We don't serve. We don't give. We're not doing this so that people can look and say, wow, look at that person. So gifted, so talented, so committed, so loving, so caring. Rather, it's, wow, look at what God is doing in that person's life. This is where we decrease and he continues to increase in our lives. I read this statement this week. It says, people will always end up doing what they want to do. That's very true. You're going to end up doing what you want to do. That's why the gospel is so important. Jesus gives us a new heart so that we want to do what he wants us to do. Jesus gives us a new heart. And with that new heart, we want to do his will. We want to do what he calls us to do. You see, give time is a response to the generous giving of what God has already given to us in Christ Jesus. Not only do we get heaven, that, that's bonus. That's going to be incredible. But here we have his life. We have his strength. We have his power. We have his forgiveness. And you see, give time is a response to all of the giving that God has already given to us. John 3, 16, one of the most well-known scripture verses. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not, he gives us eternal life. Will not perish, but will have eternal life. This is what he gives us. Romans 5, 8. God demonstrated his love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ gave himself. He died for us. He gave his one and only son. Jesus died. He stretched his arms out. He went earnestly. He, stretched, he was stretched right out on the cross for you and for me. And so our response is to give earnestly and generously and to love one another wholeheartedly. God is so generous to, to us. Please, 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 people, just understand this, that nothing that you do by signing up on that sheet of paper or anything that you do, it will not make God love you more than he already does. He loves you just the way you are. You are his child. And today, if you've never given your heart to Jesus as Lord and Savior, please understand, you can't work your way into heaven. You can't earn your way to, to heaven. The only thing you do is you give your heart to him. And salvation is a free gift that is given to him. And those who are willing to lay down their agenda and gain Christ's agenda lose their place as the center of the universe and run in faith to the King of Kings, to King Jesus. We find eternal life. And we receive his heart and we receive his spirit into our lives. And when we turn to him in salvation, not only does, does God take away the wrath that is upon each one of us because of our sin, he forgives and he's pleased with every one of us as his sons and as his daughters. And our give time is an outflow. It's a response to his amazing grace. It's not earning our way. Now work in our way. It's already done. The work has been done. And so we celebrate and we worship and we rejoice. And as a response to that, we give of ourselves freely because he gave himself 
to us freely. We give. Give time is all about glory to God time. Jesus said it is more blessed to give than to receive. The world says opposite. The world says it's more blessed to receive and to get than to give. And how's that working out for our world? Not very good, is it? And as we respond, I encourage you just to even close your eyes. As, as we sing this song, you may know it or you just may want to have it sung over you. And this song of response is just a simple chorus that we're going to sing where we say, I trust you, God, that, that, that I am not. It's a declaration that I am not at the center. It's all glory, all honor. It's to you. And after we've sung this a number of times, I, I'm going to come up and, and we'll pray together. Let's worship. Let's rearrange our hearts. Let's repent. Let's respond. Let's respond.